Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk with Mike O'Shea at the CFL Winter Meetings to find out how that's going. And also, we're going to meet the new manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. His name is Greg Taggart. You'll hear all that on the podcast. The CFL's winter meetings, annual winter meetings, are taking place as we speak in Kananaskis, Alberta, which Google Maps tells me it's about an hour, 15-minute drive from Calgary and the Rockies. It's a picturesque locale to be sure, but there's still plenty of business to attend to. But what business? Well, to find out, I had the chance to chat with Winnipeg Blue Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea about that during the events media day yesterday. First of all, for those who don't know, what gets done at a CFL winter meeting? A massive exchange of information, review of uh, a wide number of topics across a wide variety of aspects of our game, from fan metrics to penalties to offensive output reports to rule changes. Um, all sorts of, you know, head coaches are here, GMs, presidents. So there's a variety of meetings uh, going on <laughs> throughout the throughout the several days we're here and. Um, it, it really is a chance to just get caught up on, on, you know, some of the numbers behind the scenes of our league, um, from the CFL standpoint, and then discussion, um, you know, amongst our groups and, you know, some decisions have to be made and some, some idea on the direction going forward, you know, uh, but it's, it's a, it's a great opportunity to, to learn more, um, and gather information, right? So do you take this information and consume it all within three days or do you need a few weeks to, to parse through it all once you leave? Yeah, they give you some pre-read stuff, um, but it really is the, the, the stuff you take home is the discussion you're going to have amongst your groups, right? And listening to the other groups um, discuss their point of view on, on the information you're given, right? Um, it, it's, it's, it's a pretty neat opportunity. And the fact that you're in Kananaskis, Alberta, a picturesque scene, I'm sure. It is beautiful out here, but the prairies are beautiful too. We've got a great city in Winnipeg, you know, just have to, you know, um, not take anything for granted. So is this the the first big item on, on the uh, new year for you? Obviously, you've been working since signing a new deal with the Bombers, but did you take a little time off around Christmas and then now you're getting back into things? Yep, getting back into it. Um, enjoyed a nice uh, family uh, Christmas. Um, was was excellent. Really, really good downtime. Um, enjoyed myself thoroughly, and I think uh, my family did too. Um, and now it's yeah, it's, it's back at it. So once you get back from the meetings, then what's the off season look like for you? Um, I mean there there are there are you know daily tasks you need to get done i think there's just uh i would say there's um more time to 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 look at everything um less urgency compared to you know decision making in a season right so it's uh, a lot of draft film free agent film uh both the cfl like the, the university k university draft and the and the global draft um and then there's some you know, the, the administrative busy work of scheduling and, um, you know, training camps and those kind of things. How much input do you have on free agent decisions? Well, we'll meet as a, as a group, um, 
you know, Kyle, Ted, Danny, myself, and um, look at our roster. And then those discussions, you know, from that group will go back to the coaching staffs and we'll talk uh, at length. And the coaching staffs, the, the individual coaches will be responsible for, um, you know, looking at guys uh, as this, you know, looking at their film and seeing how we think they fit. Um, so there's, you know, up and down the, the chain, there's a lot of discussion that goes along. I mean, you have to build your team in a variety of ways. You can't just rely on, on one method to build your team. And we've always, uh, for the most part, we've always, you know, I would say quite regularly managed to land a free agent and we draft and we, you know, take part in the global draft and we're, you know, you're, you're trying all these different pathways to bring in the right individuals to create the team you want. This question has been asked of pretty much every free agent that's re-signed with your team so far. And most of them have said either no or barely. Have you rewatched the Grey Cup? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. What was your emotion watching? <laughs> they didn't change the score. No, I know. Christian. I know. They never changed the score. So, I mean, there's nothing. There's there's certainly things we can learn from it. Um, and, you know everybody's going to handle it differently. Everybody needs to sort of work through it at their own pace in their own way. So it's, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've managed to watch it and I survived. How many times? <laughs> Enough. Okay. <laughs> you know, as you, you know, you know how things unfolded during the game and you watch it and, you see a lot of the same things that you saw from the sideline. So yeah, I don't know how many times you ha- really have to watch it. Right. And did you mm-hmm. learn anything new wa- rewatching it? Not really. You know, you, you, the other thing you have to understand is they have iPads on the sideline too. So you can right. rewatch every play as it happens basically. So when back to the winter meetings, you mentioned that there's a large exchange of information what if you can divulge specifically what's kind of what is there anything that really jumped out at you so far uh i think that goes back to the idea of being able to digest it all and and i think we've we've yet to get into the really deep discussions about what all this information means for us right so uh, that'll come okay uh is this kind of a reunion of sorts too like ever all the cfl folks getting into one spot after the Christmas break? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of guys keep in touch with each other, uh, but, you know, this is the first time we'll all be face-to-face. I don't think we were last year, so um, at various times, I mean, combine, you're around everybody, but everybody's um, got a lot of their own business to attend to also, right? So, but yeah, it's nice to see everybody. I mean, it's uh, it's a different setting, right, than just meeting, you know, across the field you know seeing each other from across the field so it's a it's a different setting there'll be a you know we'll manage to have a bite to eat together and probably a beer together so um it's always fun are there any rule changes you you want to see put in place i don't know if that's something that's on the agenda for this meetings but do you in your perfect world want to see any rule changes yeah there there are a few and i just honestly i prefer not to talk about them. This is, you know, those are things we discuss in the closed doors of the rules committee and, and uh, with direction from, you know, the, the league and coaches, 
and and we'll get to it. I mean, this is not this will be the start of of some rules discussions. Um, that, you know, they go on pretty well all year uh, as things come up, but this is the start of um, you know a concise uh, you know number of clips and film and standards that we'll start looking at. And that'll give us direction to the actual rules committee meetings that we'll have later on in the off season um, as to what has some traction. Uh, you know, I don't think we are interested as a rules committee in making a pile of changes again. I think we want to make sure that we're the changes we've made in the last few years, uh, you know, um, have traction and, and certainly, we want to analyze the all the data uh, that you collect over a couple seasons, not just uh, you know the first few weeks of the season when everybody's talking about the hash marks and whether it's going to make a difference. I think we need a bit more time to see uh, that you know that amount of data come forward as to the value of it. Um, but there are some things that I think we need to discuss and whether or not they result in in changes to rules or changes to standards, we'll see. But um, talking about what I want to see changed is not. Is something I'm really interested in. Fair enough. Okay, a couple more before I let you go. Do you care about the NFL playoffs? Uh, I like watching good football. Okay. So if the games are good and players are playing well and there's not a lot of mistakes, then I, I like watching it. I don't, I'm not cheering for anybody in particular. I just like to see players play their best um, so that they're, you know, left with a good feeling and and i mean good football is good for good for fans everywhere okay and uh, what's your favorite part of a winter in canada specifically in winnipeg yeah i'm a i'm a all-season guy i mean i have no problem with the snow i think in winnipeg we're blessed with so much sunshine that you know even though it's could be crisp outside just that sun shining on a on a cold winter day is I don't know. It's phenomenal. You don't get that everywhere, right? You get a lot of overcast in a lot of places. You don't get the amount of sunshine that we get. That we're fortunate enough to get in Winnipeg. So um, even though it's, it may be the temperature may be cold outside, that sun is, uh, yeah, it can really warm you up even on a cold day. So you like getting outside in the winter? I love it. Ice fishing. Is there any specific activity? Uh, I, I'm looking forward to ice fishing this winter as I do every winter. I, it's certainly one of those, uh, if you want to call it a sport, I'll call it a sport. I mean, not too much, you know, you're not breathing too heavy, but I like being out on the ice and hauling in a fish through the ice. I think there's something about that that's pretty cool. Uh, and all the other things, the camaraderie that goes around with, uh, with being out on the ice with a group of guys fishing. Well, Mike, appreciate your time today. Thanks for this. Enjoy the uh, winter meetings, and we'll check in with you closer to the season. Thanks, Christian. Greg Taggart was introduced yesterday over a Zoom call as the new manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. The team announced back on December 22nd that Taggart had been hired as the fourth field manager in franchise history. Has 27 seasons of professional experience, most notably with the Gary South Shore Railcats of the American Association, where he spent 16 seasons with them leading them to 12 winning records, nine playoff appearances, and three championships in 2005 and 2007 in the Northern League, and then 2013 in the American Association, taking over for Rick Forney, who left to be closer to home, managing a different club in a different part of America. Now, Taggart last year left 
the Railcats to get a job in the San Francisco Giants organization. Skipper, the San Francisco's rookie Arizona Complex League Orange affiliate. Has an all-time 531 winning percentage in independent baseball. And so we got to talk to him yesterday, the California native. Now calls Fort Worth home. He was asked by Paul Friesen why he left the Giants organization after just one year. Many factors, you know, yeah, 17 years in a place with the Railcats, which we, we, we actually, my family actually relocated to Northwest Indiana outside of Chicago for about 10 years during my tenure in Gary. And um, it was a second home. And I think just at times there's, there's times uh, from personal reasons. I have family in Scottsdale close to my uh, mom in California. And there were some factors that led me to take it. And I think sometimes you look for other challenges, you know, at a, at a stage in my career that are, that are different. Um, and like this job, I was familiar with a lot of people in the Giants organization. But the opportunity to return, as I said, it wasn't so much some of the things you might hear that, oh, you know, having control of the lineup. Those are the factors that didn't exist in it. And, you know, it was all about the right place and and the right opportunity and the right people to work with. And that really sums it up. As I said, it, um, you know, it was a, a long thought, hard decision. I know for Sam to also commit, it was one of those things that, um, you know, it dragged on a little bit to the point that uh, I, I have maybe thought I was going to be kicking myself because it dragged on too long. And, um, but I, I'm thrilled to be here and, and back in the league. And, and I think for me, the one thing that, uh, you know, and I realized it as my years being in the American Association and on the independent side of things, it's so much more about the personal attachments, the personal relationships that, that you establish. And, you know, whether it's, you know, my friendship with, other managers or the players that I've grown close to over the years. Now, those are some of the things that um, I did miss dearly and, and more, more so than anything that happens on the baseball field. I also decided to ask him about just getting to know him a bit. Where did his love of baseball come from? He's been involved in the sport for decades. Well, probably um, I think we relocated to Northern California when I was, I think five, six years old, and and the Oakland A's had just moved to Oakland from Kansas City. And my dad, uh, you know, we were from small town in Carlsbad, New Mexico, not much major league action going on there. And um, we took in a ball game, and and um, my, my first love, I, I can still remember, it was uh, watching, and I'm not quite so sure, the history, um, you know, that that's, some might be aware of, but there was a shortstop, Campy Campanaris, for those that go back into the 70s time frame, might remember that name that I fell in love with and, you know, fell in love with uh, the game. And and uh, if nothing else, um, probably fell in love with it so much as much as my mom and dad tried to get me interested in other things, you know, whether it was music or, you know, clubs, it just never materialized. So it uh, it stuck with me all these years. And uh, 
I looked up Campy Campanaris, Bert Campanaris, a.k.a. Campy. Played a lot of games. 2,328 games in his MLB career. Just 79 home runs, 646 RBI, but still 649 bases back in the day. And over had over 2,200 hits in his career. A solid MLB career, for sure. Anyway, I also asked him about the allure of independent league baseball that he's been involved in for almost two decades. My first job in, in 1995, uh, I had been scouting with the Tigers at the time, and the baseball season had had the strike, the MLB strike, and and the Northern League um, had already started, I believe, in 1993. Sam and Andrew might be able to, you know, and the Gold Eyes came in in 94. But um, the Frontier League, I believe, was established right around that same time. It was new to a lot of people. That was certainly, you know, at the time, not well known like the Northern League. So I had an opportunity to to go to Ohio Valley and um, in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and really enjoyed that atmosphere. And um, now in those days, uh, if you made six or seven hundred dollars a month managing a ball club, you were doing well, you know, for a short term gig in the summertime. But um, but as the process uh, continued and things started to evolve and and um, I see Josh Buckholtz, my, you know, our, our, our president on the, uh, you know, on the call as well. And I think he'll tell you and all of us will that independent baseball became a source of pride. Um, you know, it, it was not anything that, hey, this is the uh, the second tier. It became a source of pride. And and really the the origins of the Northern League started that. And, you know, the opportunity when I when 2005 came around to get into the Northern League at the time, which, you know, essentially became the American Association, that um, all of those years, there's nothing that quite replaces, you know, for a manager, and I, I believe for the fan base, and and you know that uh, that the independent leagues do. Um, you know, like I said, I, I have uh, nothing but uh, the highest regard for for every one of them, and um, and certainly for for our league, the association. How would you describe Winnipeg as a baseball market, having played against the Gold Eyes for so many years? Well, <laughs> it is a uh, it's a great place to go to. Um, Great for the players, great for the league. You know, it's one of those things that I think the best recruiting tool in our league, aside from your own players to tell players, is the places you go. And whether it's, um, you know, Winnipeg, you know, you use the word marquee. Um, it's a it's a marquee franchise. And it's a, it's a great place for not only, you know, the players, the fans are engaged in the ballpark. It was built um, and and has uh, continued to show well over over the years, and it's um, the environment, obviously downtown. You know some of those things that it has. If you use that phrase, a, a major league feel or a big league feel, you know it has that. I think that's a, a great plus for everybody involved. And um, you know when you talk about the early days of the independent leagues, and more so when you talk about the frontier leagues, you know those ballparks were little town ballparks that had chain link fences and 
and the dugouts were nothing more than a chain link in front of a, a bench. So obviously things have changed drastically and, and for the better. And it is really, um, you know, something that I look forward to from this side of things. Always a difficult place to play. I, you know, um, I know I've told many people over the years, I don't care if whatever lead it might have been in the ninth inning, you know, as an opposing manager, we never had a one, two, three, ninth inning. Yeah, I can't remember one of them. So. And on that topic, he was asked about any rivalry stories he might have with Winnipeg from his years in Gary. My personal favorite, and I, I don't know if we should mute Sam and Andrew, but uh, we were able to uh, win a playoff game. Um, Jay Pesci, one of our former players that was a, a big part of a, a long time of success in Gary, hit a ninth inning homer um, when we were down two to one and uh, both teams ready to close it out. And we ended up winning that game three to two. And it was um, probably the most memorable game there as far as the postseason game goes and and that uh, that I've had the experience of. So, you know, and um, hoping for those moments for the gold eye side of things. But um, also had some tough uh, Juan Diaz, I, I believe, if I'm correct, hit two grand slams in one game against us with um, with the Railcats owner sitting right behind the dice. <laughs> so it was a it was a tough day that day. And I'll, I'll never forget that. I think um, most people would, uh, you know, remember that. But it's it's been a great rivalry, you know, and and certainly I think one of the things that made the rivalry even better for me is the fact that. And, and Sam can probably refer to the dynamics and the specifics of it. But, you know, we the Northern League stayed intact, you know, with Winnipeg, Fargo, Kansas City, Gary. Um, and when our clubs moved to the association, you know, that bond, that rivalry, you know, I always felt it was there. I still feel, you know, obviously a year removed here, but, uh, and maybe over the years with the advent of new franchises in the Milwaukee area and the, the different Chicago franchises, it's changed the dynamic a little bit. But uh, to me, I always felt like there was a, a bond there between those four clubs, a rivalry that existed you know, a little bit and um, very proud to to say, and I'm sure Sam would be too, that several of the champions since we left the Northern League to join the American Association were from those teams. So, you know, Kansas City, Fargo, Gary, and Winnipeg. That is Greg Taggart. He is the manager of the Winnipeg Goldies who are going into their 30th anniversary season this year. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this Try to warn you over the deal. You may not share our intellect, which might explain the